Welcome to episode 335 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. And in this week's episode, we discuss a rolling Ubuntu-based distribution. Did Canonical finally answer Ryan's prayers? We'll find out. Then we're going to pay tribute to a special person and project. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up. So let's get this show on the road toward Destination Linux. Our feedback this week comes from Andy. He says, great podcast. Thank you very much. I've been listening for the last few months on my commute as I planned my move to Linux. I'm happy to say I now moved over to full-time Linux, sold my Mac and wiped Windows. My main machine runs faster, uses less resources, and the fan stays off. Loving the Linux desktop experience and have tried a variety of distros and desktop environments. It's been great fun and I feel like I've learned so much in the process. I've settled on Ubuntu 23.04 for now and it works great. I'm listening to your recent podcast via Rhythmbox as I type this. And I wondered if you have any plans for a session discussing Wayland slash Pipewire and screen recording. I'd be particularly interested in how this to do this using the command line or an app that is efficient on resources. I tried FFmpeg, but this only works with X11 and KMS Grab. The latter requires admin, which I don't like doing. What are your favorite ways to screen record? I've got OBS and it works fine, but having moved to Linux, I'm curious and want to see if there's a better way or a different way. It'd be great to hear from your views. All the best, Andy. So for me, I always utilize OBS. OBS is kind of the staple flagship. It's also kind of one of those projects I love to highlight when we talk about open source being superior to the closed source variants out there. OBS is definitely one you could proudly say is superior to the closed source variants out there of screen recording software. I have a contrasting opinion of that. I also use OBS. Yes, Yes. very contrasting, Michael. Very good job. (laughs) Really way to play devil's advocate there and uh, come in with this one, two, three punch. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, OBS Studio is amazing. There's so many things you could do with it. Michael actually takes it to a whole new level. He's got tons of macros and things that he runs. I have a special keyboard designed to work with OBS and have tons of different scene switching and animations that can affect and also even like editing notes during the live recording. So which I'm using right now, you can't hear it probably, but I did. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of amazing things you can do with OBS. With that said, it's not exactly resource friendly. There are times it where I'm It is the I'm opposite using, of resource friendly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very if I'm using OBS and for instance, if you have NVIDIA, you can actually switch so that a lot of the work is put onto the GPU itself. If you have AMD, very cool. you, you could still do that, but it's a little more difficult and it honestly doesn't work as well with the VAPI um, yeah. idea that they have in there or the drivers they have in there. So if you have NVIDIA, check that out as an option to kind of reduce some of the resources used on your CPU. Otherwise, it does utilize a lot of resources. And this creates issues even for me when I'm doing game recording and things. If I have a lower resource PC that I'm testing the show gaming on in in those type of situations, it can be difficult and create stuttering or make it look like the game's not running good on the PC when in fact it's running great on the PC. But if you add that 30% of your CPU being taken up by OBS, it doesn't run so great anymore. So I usually, in those cases, will use Simple Screen Recorder, which was going to be my recommendation until I tested earlier, thanks to Jill and Michael making the suggestion that I don't think it supports Wayland. And if you don't have Wayland, 
then you can't really utilize that one. But it was very low on resources. It was something you could run in the background and easily utilize. So with that said, I guess I'll just turn it over to Jill and say, Jill, hopefully you found something for Andy here. Which, by the way, is this the Andy in Toy Story? Uh, yes. Andy? That's cool. Uh, confirmed. Yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, I chose to confirm it regardless of actual inf- evidence <laughs> of any kind. Yes. This is also the person who just chooses every code name of Debian. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so there are a lot of different screen recording options for Wayland and Pipewire besides OBS, that, that and, and a couple of them I have used. And this first one is called Kuha. Um, K-O-O-H-A. Kuha. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, you can check the show notes. The, the links will be in the show notes for all the, the different uh, screen recorders I'm going to mention. Kuha, I have used recently and love. It has a nice user interface and is available as a flat pack. Sold. And it has, this screen recorder has advanced features like experimental hardware acceleration and coding, which has worked mm. for me. Nice. An option to select a monitor for multiple displays or any window and support for WebM, MP4, GIF, MKV, and it's low on resources. It's pronounced GIF, Jill. GIF. 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 We're not going to have this, this yeah. battle on the show. It is the graphics <laughs> interchange format, yes. <laughs> yes, Jeff. Thank I you, just Jeff. couldn't help it. I, no, someone okay. had to say it. It's, a, it. it's okay. Usually, I do say Jeff, not GIF. But eh. yeah, I mean, you're usually you're right. Then yeah, today you're not. So, <laughs> yeah. so another no, one, GIF, Ryan. <laughs> another one you can try is actually the GNOME screen recorder. It's simple but effective, and it's built into GNOME. But it only supports the WebM format. That's the only thing I don't like about it because WebM is really good for a final product. But if you want to go back and do some editing, it's uh, it can get a little pixely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is good for a final project product. And the other one I like is Wayfarer. And I actually haven't tested this yet, but I heard that it supports Wayland and supports WebM, MP4, and MKV formats and is available in the AI... AUR. Now, I actually have tested it, but not on Wayland. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, does it support GIFs? No. What about GIFs? <laughs> does GIFs, but not GIFs. Michael. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But also, real quick, I'm glad that you mentioned some of the, the format support because for those who are curious, Always choose MKV if you can, yes. because if your recording breaks or the application crashes at any point, the MKV can kind of compensate for it and you wouldn't really lose your data. So that's why you would choose that for the recording source file. You can output it to whatever you want, but recording source file best is for MKV. Mm-hmm. And as a content creator who also builds their own PCs and creates extraordinarily stable machines with decades of experience building machines, they rarely ever have failed still there is some situation that always occurs in which i will somehow get a corrupted file or the power will go out something Something, happens where that mkv becomes super important so if you're even thinking like well my machine never goes down well still use mkv because there's just something that will happen that will cause your machine to have some weird thing when you've recorded the mona lisa Mm -hmm of your videos and then what you create afterwards will only be tribute. So only be a tribute. (laughs) 
But awesome question, Andy. First of all, really happy to see that you're loving Linux. I'm curious what desktop environment you chose, but you settled on Ubuntu 23.4, so that could be any of them out there. I assume that they just meant the GNOME standard Ubuntu. version, perhaps. But I'm curious if you did mean it, because some people do use the term Linux when they're talking about everything, and some people use the term Ubuntu when they're talking about just any of the flavors because they're just using Ubuntu as the base. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. Yeah. But I think Ubuntu is a really good choice, and it did what Ubuntu always does. It converts people really early on, right? Yeah, exactly. got rid of your Windows machine, or wiped Windows, sold your Mac, and now you've got this. So very awesome story there. Thank you for sharing it with us and sending it in. And hopefully one of these suggestions that Jill gave you will be perfect for the limiting resources that you want to utilize there. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. So it's no mystery that I have on just a few small occasions, maybe possibly hinted or merely suggested very kindly, like I usually do, that Ubuntu is too slow on updates, especially when it comes to hardware enablement. Maybe I've mentioned it a couple hundred episodes <laughs> yeah. ago. Wait, wait. Um, I'm trying to think if there's ever an occasion. Oh, yeah, almost every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe. Maybe, maybe not that much either, but still. You know, uh, it's frequently. a really important topic for me because new people coming into Linux don't always have an older machine. Like, we know Linux runs really well on older equipment. That's awesome but also runs really good on newer equipment. And the kernel gets updated with all of this new hardware, but Ubuntu's release cycle is such that it takes a really long time for all of those kernel updates to eventually make it to Ubuntu. So these new people coming into Linux, go grab that new machine off the shelf that's got the new Intel, the new AMD, the new NVIDIA, whatever, and they can't use it. And they go away from Linux because the hardware enablement's not there, even though it technically is there, it's just not in Ubuntu. So. Okay, did I just do it again? Darn it. You did exactly yes. the same. Just yes. did it again. Okay. <laughs> but on well, the bright side, it's good for context. Uh-huh. Yes, there you go. I've explained the story for those who haven't listened to all 300 episodes. In that case, what's wrong with you? You should have. But for those who haven't, now you understand the context. And that's why I'm excited about this week to talk about Rhino Linux. When it first got announced, I was really excited to hear about it. And now it's officially out of beta and it's a rolling version of an Ubuntu distro answering nice. all Beautiful. my prayers. Well, okay, before you get too excited, <laughs> Ryan, 
It's rolling software, but it doesn't mention hardware enablement or Mesa drivers in their documentation. Why are you the way you are, Michael? <laughs> I was just giving you information. Could you, you mean? let my dream live for five <laughs> seconds before you come in there and wreck it there? Like I left it for like two and a half seconds. That's enough. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so maybe it's not. I'm not sure because you're right. They don't reference that they do anything with Mesa or the hardware enablement specifically. But I'm kind of hoping they will in the future or maybe in some way do now because that's the big thing that I really want a rolling distro for Ubuntu. It seems to be based on using the daily builds like how originally the rolling Rhino project from Wimpy was created. And this is like the the successor to that. And it seems like it's using the daily builds from Ubuntu, which would have some improvements to some aspects of the hardware, but it's going to have the same kind of delay that Ubuntu would have because they is still dependent on Ubuntu. That's how it, I could be wrong, but that's how it looks like to me. Now, I know right now somebody just pulled their hand out of the bag of Cheetos and they're about to type an email saying, Ubuntu does hardware enablement updates in between releases. So what are you talking about? And it's, yes, they do, but those are extraordinarily slow as well. And this was perfectly emphasized when new video cards came out specifically AMD. Uh, the new AMD motherboards and processors came out. There was built-in Linux support, but it didn't work in Ubuntu for months and months because of the fact that the hardware enablement is also very slow. So you can continue eating your Cheetos and not write that email, I understand. A, a quick note there, yeah. when you said the they, they do the hardware enablement on occasionally between releases, it is, but it also depends on the kind of release. So I could be wrong, but the last time I looked into this, they do every six months, they do an update in between the main LTS release. So you get a point release and you get the hardware enablement, but the hardware enablement comes from the interim release, which is once every six months. So it's still a pretty long time. By the way, if you were eating Cheetos right when I said that, please send me an email and let me know because that How would be How much hilarious. is your mind blown <laughs> that I and knew? And also, how good are Cheetos? Like, yes. They're, yummy, they're yummy, so yummy. Cheetos are amazing. The hard Cheetos only. If you eat puffs, Aww, you're dead to me. I like but those. the hard ones are delicious. You I know? like the puffs like, too, Ryan. <laughs> Jill. Uh, is Jill dead to you, Ryan? No, she said she likes them too, meaning she yeah. prefers oh, okay. I do prefer the, the crispy ones. ones yeah. Yeah. Okay, see, okay. it's okay to like the puffs, but you cannot like them more than the crunchy no, ones. No, I don't. That, yeah. I'm glad we clarified <laughs> this point. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. Uh, send your hate mail to Michael, by the way. He was the one talking about Cheetos there a second ago. Let's talk about the features <laughs> that are happening in Rhino Linux here. So you get a custom, and I have to give the mad props here, XFCE desktop called Unicorn, which is a beautiful, and I do mean beautiful, take on XFCE. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's gorgeous. I'm and not a big fan of the name of the... Did I like Aww. unicorn. I, like I mean, unicorns. I said it's, it's. I'm not a big. My fan. daughter's I say I was an, you. I didn't say I was that. not a fan. I said I was not a big fan. But anyway, the point is, this version of XFCE is so good looking. I had no idea it was XFCE until Ryan said it was. Yeah. yeah. Like oh wow, this is so good. It it kind of has a gnome feel, but then there are certain elements where are they're custom for sure, and I do like a lot of the approach that they're doing, especially with the use of the U-Launcher to quickly launch applications and stuff like that. It is quite nice. Mm -hmm. I love the great purple theming, and it's a, a nicely designed logo, and lots of really beautiful wall wallpapers to choose from. 
It is a nice logo, too. Yeah. Yeah. The logo reminds me of the Firefox logo, but they put a rhino yeah, in it exactly. instead. It's yeah. like Around really well done. Circular. Really it also clever. conveys that there's some movement in it at the bottom, so it's rolling. So yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, pretty good. Very slick. And you get the app grid, which resembles that gnome feeling, too, that when you, you know, go to select all of your applications, you got this nice grid-like system. KDE does that as well. But that's what I love about XFCE. Like XFCE to me is the hybrid between GNOME, where you have the simplicity and beauty, and it's you know beautiful by default, and KDE, where you have the ability to do all of these settings and things behind the scenes. But XFCE doesn't have all of the capabilities of KDE to change all the settings, but enough of them, more than GNOME for sure. But it doesn't have the beauty, and they were able to yeah, make it SFCE beautiful. <laughs> really I was like, "Where are you going with this? It's it's not the hybrid of it's, it's kind of like a reverse hybrid." <laughs> Shut up. They made Shut the Redentia desktop you, beautiful. What are you fact checker today? Are you fact checker dot com. <laughs> but Listen. I will say that it is if you this version with the unicorn version is kind of the hybrid. It it, it provides some cool yeah, features of XFCE. And yeah, but you said XFCE was the higher. Uh, maybe well, not. I meant like this ver. <laughs> yeah, I meant this version. Good clarification, factchecker.com. Thank you for coming You're and welcome. joining our You're podcast. You're welcome, alwayswrong.com. <laughs> always <laughs> <laughs> so the unicorn version of the, uh, that's one of the things that blew me away the most. Like I have videos out there where I do tweaks and things to XFCE back when I actually used to change stuff in my desktop environment, <laughs> mostly to prove Michael <laughs> wrong, who said XFCE was ugly. In which he's not necessarily wrong. It is kind of ugly by default, but you could do lots of cool things with it. And their proof, they did way better than I ever could <laughs> or did that you can make XFCE absolutely gorgeous. You can make it good, but they actually have been in trying to improve the defaults, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yes, it's still It still needs some work, but the I team am, works I'm glad hard. I'm glad. And, and it. I think maybe they should take some of these notes from Rhino and try to incorporate what they've done here because it's like a really awesome version yeah, of XFCE. Absolutely. The U Launcher as well implementation is fantastic in it. It uses Packstall to get the latest versions of software. So that's the rolling part of this is essentially you have the stability of Ubuntu 23, but you get the ability to install the latest versions of software in there, which I'm hoping at some point includes the Mesa and hardware enablement pieces. But today they mostly talk about the software piece. So you can also, when you join in, you get a nice welcome GUI that gives you the option to do snaps, flat packs and app images right there too. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And Michael, it uses Plank as a dock, and that's one of the other things that make it look really yeah, pretty. Yeah, Plank is nice. It's a really nice, nice looking. Dock. I didn't know it was Plank, but I did see the dock. Yeah. But it is that is really cool because for those who don't know, Plank is a very minimalistic dock, and there's also an extra version you can get to get other stuff. But the Plank version gives you like all the necessities, so you have a nice, powerful dock that is very minimal at the same time, so it's really good on a, on resources. Yeah. yeah. And it's also included in one of our other favorite desktops, which is Budgie. (laughs) Budgie likes Plank, and they utilize it very well. (laughs) And you get VS Codium by default, which I thought was an interesting take. So this is the version that doesn't have all the telemetry built in, but you get that VS Code capability, which is one of the most popular IDEs out there. Almost as good as Sublime Text. Yeah, (laughs) well... That's debatable, <laughs> but I agree with you, Michael. And then the one thing I did notice, though, is there's no software store. So for me, not that I need a software store, but again, like we, the first email that we received talking about moving away from Windows and Mac and they choose Ubuntu, someone could come across Rhino and be like, hey, I need the latest and greatest packages, but there's no software store. So not necessarily meant for your beginner, beginner 
individuals. You're going to have to do some of your own installations there through the terminal and yeah. stuff. At least I couldn't find a software store in it. I didn't find one either, but I do think that it's important for there to want to be there. I agree. And I would recommend some kind of flat pack based uh, setup store because like that idea. Yeah. with the rolling approach, the best way to keep that going without having to worry about the re- the repository being compatible is with Flatpak, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good Absolutely. one. Absolutely. And I actually like that Rhino uses the Packstall app repository. Uh, Packstall is actually like the Arch user repository, but for Ubuntu. And it's amazing, a really amazing project created two years ago by a 15-year-old developer who just wanted to have a repository for developers to package and distribute their own apps like the AUR, but on Ubuntu. And you can install apps easily without having to search through GitHub repos and the like. And it's command line, but it's easy to use. That's good, but it does need to be pointed out that the AUR is not great for, as in like, you, you don't really have a guarantee that it's being managed and, and the, the packages are being maintained by a, like a group. Yeah, It's individual true. developers who are third-party type of thing. And the same thing applies to pack install or pack stall. Yeah. And just wanted to clarify that. So it's cool. The AOR is cool. This is also cool to have as an option, but just, you know, yeah. just be, be careful. Yeah, aware just of caution. That. Just be yeah. careful. The list of packages has actually grown the last time I, I launched pack stall. But the more developers who contribute their latest versions of their software, the better. And uh, every piece of software that I've installed with it has has worked flawlessly. Like I downloaded NeoFetch with it and Audacity and a few other apps. And, and they have worked very well. Now, there were a couple of mm-hmm. bugs that I ran into. Now, keep in mind, I ran this in the VM. But I also noticed that in the Reddit where they were talking about releasing Rhino out of beta, that somebody also was talking about having issues with it in a VM. They were minor. You could work around them. But essentially, I have 4K monitors. When I would extend it to the 4K resolution, I could not click anything within the VM. And then when I would shrink it back down to little tiny text, everything would work right. So there's something a little off there. So that took me some time to kind of get around. Yeah. And I don't know, Jill, did you have a similar issue with it? I, I had something different. I had some, when I was going to, uh, told it to shut down, it wouldn't properly shut down in GNOME boxes. So I would have to actually turn GNOME boxes off. And then once I went back into it, then it would would launch just fine. Nice. <laughs> it had so on behalf of the Cheeto fingers out there, just virtual machines you didn't install on your hardware? <laughs> no, because, you know... Blend OS, man. Like it's really so <laughs> very good. Let me let me talk about this for a second. Because first of all, Blend OS is not for everybody, and that's where things like Rhino exist and is awesome. So I'm not taking away from Rhino by saying this, but for me, this is for me to switch to something now. The immutable OS parts got me. It's got me really hooked. So it would be a really hard sell, especially without the hardware enablement pieces of the rolling and not being immutable and not having things like ButterFS, you know, they could do something innovative and things like that to make me go, yeah, I'm going to try this over BlendOS. Now, BlendOS, I'm talking about me again, for those who are in the Cheetos, uh, BlendOS is just, it's hard to beat. But for somebody else, this may be great. But this also is not for a beginner in my mind because without the software store and things, I just, and I also, with the, there's some bugginess in it. It's just out of beta. So I, I wouldn't put this on a production machine either because of some of the bugginess I ran into. Granted, it wasn't a VM. 
maybe all that stuff just goes away when you do it on your core hardware. There are yeah. differences. Yeah, there will be difference with that because of the packages you need to, ha- depending on which virtual machine system you use, there's different packages for those machines. And you would have to have some special packages depending on what kind of features you want. So there is a difference between a virtualized experience and a hardware-based experience. But I do think it's totally fair to experience the Des- the desktop as it is made in either way. Yeah. Because you're still going to get the appeal of why someone will want to use this particular distro regardless of wh- how are you, you testing it out. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring it out there and just make a joke of it because I know people will have a complaint with it, but it, I do think it's worth noting in general that we didn't test it on hardware, but at the same time, that's not always a necessity. And in this case, there's really nothing that's hardware specific to the distro it's more of the implementation of the rolling and that sort of stuff that is why we tested it in virtual machines. Yeah. So mad props to AJ Strong, Oren, Elsie, Axlos, Catmaster21, and Wizard28 who all support this. But the main thing that I'm blown away by is how beautiful you made XFCE. It is very good. And I think that needs to be really emphasized because so many people kind of you know, beat up on XFCE for its looks. And this just shows you that, you know, the these folks here have a proper eye for design. I do not, by the way. Michael will um, <laughs> absolutely agree with that. Have no eye for design. Uh, these folks definitely have an eye so for design. So there yeah. actually is a different... I'm going to argue with you, Ryan. Uh-huh. I think you do have an eye for design. You just don't have the ability to do design. <laughs> design yes. If I'm making but, the art, that's yeah. where I fail. I know where it should be. <laughs> yeah. I just can't do it exactly. myself. Exactly. You have so, really okay. good ideas, good. Ryan. You have really Thanks, good Jill. ideas. Thanks, Jill. I am special. My mom says so. <laughs> that. This is actually something, just a side note that I wanted to tell. Some people think about like the idea of design's not important. Like Some developers will even say this. And I, people, anyone can see if a design is good. But it's hard for people to know if the code is good. So that's why design matters. And that's why I was praying it out that you do have an eye for design. Because if you look at something and it's bad looking, then you can tell it's bad. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. So awesome job, Rhino team. I definitely, if you want to check out a Ubuntu version that has the latest versions of packages, if you're a developer that needs that, utilizes that type of thing, I would definitely check out Rhino. But play with it first. Make sure it's stable and those things for your particular machine. And I really look forward to kind of seeing more coming from this team and see what they do with Ubuntu. And hopefully after listening to this, maybe we'll get that Mesa and hardware enablement stuff put in there too. And then it would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I wonder if Ryan has a suggestion for what they could do next. For yeah. <laughs> just, just a little thought. But I agree. And also, I just want to say one more time, this is so good looking. Mm-hmm. Well done. You know, it's one of the most beautiful distros out there right now. And that's saying a lot. So, you know, because there's a lot of really pretty ones. But this one's even prettier than most. (laughs) Last week, we had a sad loss in the open source community as Bram Moliner has passed away on August 3rd, 2023. Bram was a Dutch software engineer and activist well known as the creator of Vim. He also advocated and used Vim's popularity to advocate for several Nonprofits. Yeah, those nonprofits became like a big part of his life as well. Even if you go to Wikipedia page, it talks about all of the work that he did and advocated for the ICCF Holland and non-governmental organizations supporting AIDS victims in Uganda 
and Vim even had a message that would pop up, you know, when you were uh, utilizing it, remembering, trying to get people to remember to donate to these causes and things like there. And what's really interesting about this is not only did he give the world one of the most popular text editors in the world, um, he also used that opportunity when it was free, used that opportunity to help advocate for these projects, which really made me, because I didn't know all of this and, until this news happened, have a whole new appreciation for Bram's work and what he's done and the big loss that we have um, from losing him. So we definitely want to send on this show our heartfelt love to Bram's family and friends, and we want to let them know how much we appreciate Bram's work and the contributions to open source and the contributions to all the nonprofits that he supported out there as well. And so in honor of Bram, we want to do something really special and highlight some of the awesomeness that is Vim. For those of you who are new to open source, Vim is a highly configurable text editor built to enable efficient text editing. And when I say efficient, I mean really efficient. If you can learn Vim, which lots of people have written into this show, trying to encourage me to give up my ways of sublime text and move over to Vim because you can be super fast. They even send videos of people who are really good with Vim to show how quick you can edit massive text files and do incredible things with it. And they're not wrong. It's just there is a big learning curve with Vim. But those who do take the time to master it, oh my gosh, it's amazing what you can do with that tool. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to pass this whole thing over to Jill for a moment. Number one, for those not watching the video, Jill has a shirt, of course she does, that says, I love Vim, because you just happen to have a I love Vim shirt, Jill, in your uh, list of clothes that you yeah. have there, which is awesome uh, in itself. But also, you have extensive knowledge about Unix and kind of the history here. So I want to pass it on to you and kind of let you talk about some of this. Okay. So I just wanted to say first that Bram was so wonderful with the community. He loved the open source community and the Linux community and the Unix community. He, he was a dynamic speaker. I had the opportunity to see him speak at one of the conferences many years ago. And I got to talk to him a little bit about Vim at one time. So it was, it was such That's an honor. That's pretty amazing. And he yeah. would talk, he would, he loved to talk to everyone <laughs> about Vim. And he was also so good about updating it. Look how old the software is, but he still kept the updates up until he passed. He was updating the software and doing improvements and progressing the Vim community. Yeah. So. And Vim will continue on, which is really awesome as well. So all of those maintainers out there that were helping before will continue. So mm -hmm. still a great time to go look at Vim if you're not familiar with it or haven't utilized it before. But I also know somebody else, Jill, who seems to want to talk about to everybody and about open source all the time, seeing you at scale conferences and things. <laughs> so I feel like you and Bram have a lot in common oh, there. That's an for honor. Sure. What an honor. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he he's definitely a, uh, a spirit animal of mine, Bram. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about a little bit about my journey with Vim. So my journey with Vim starts with using Vi, or the visual interface, which was created by Bill Joy in 1976. My first introduction to Vi was with the Vi clone Stevie, 
or the ST editor on my Atari ST back in 1987. This is important nice. because Vim is derived from Stevie. Very important in the, in the lineage. And in the mid 80s to early 90s, when I was in college, I was fortunate to have access to many Unix machines, including from Sun, DEC, SGI, and HP. And many of these machines I have at home here in my own vintage computer collection. <laughs> With these computers, I used Vi on many different versions of Unix, including Sun Solaris, HP UX, Digital Equipment Corporation's True64 Unix, which I have on my Deck Alpha, and IBM AIX. For me, Vi was my go-to text editor, and this is what I used to make daily shell scripts, edit configuration files, and where I learned to code in C. So it has a special place in my heart. Do you still prefer to utilize Vi or Vim over other text editors, or have you yeah. kind of bounced back and forth between I'm, a bunch of them? I mean, I do use Nano, and I will go to Joe, but Vi is home for yeah. me, and Vim is home for me because of the key bindings that I just... No. And you started with that. Yeah. So it's kind of, you have a very unfair advantage for those yeah. wanting me to catch up to Jill. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. That's unfair to catch up. She yeah. started there. Yeah. So, and when I actually installed my first Linux distro, Slackware Linux, in 1993, I used the free Vi clone called Elvis to edit my XF86 config All these file. names of the clones are just great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used Elvis to edit my XF86 config files and make changes once I got Slackware installed. Now, of course, the old story, getting 24 three and a half inch floppy disk images installed and working correctly without blowing up my CRT in the process was a feat. <laughs> now, I have yeah, a very absolutely. similar story. Wing Commander was about 20 disks or so, three oh, and a half inch yeah. floppy disks. So yeah, it was always it was. a stroke. I started in DOS. So if you gave me a DOS challenge, I may be able to catch up there. But Jill started in Vi, which is pretty cool. <laughs> a little bit cooler than DOS, honestly. <laughs> and then came Vim. So then in November of 1991, Bram Moulinier created one of the most iconic text editors in the programming world, Vim or Vi Imitation. Bram actually later renamed Vim in 1993 to stand for Vi Improved. So that's how most people know it, as Vi Improved. Yeah. And it is with Vim that I actually created my first website in 1992. And it was one of the early websites created, as there was only a few thousand websites at that time. The World Wide Web you know, didn't go public till 1991, and I wanted to be a part of this new, awesome information superhighway. And this what was form. your website about, Jill? Okay, I knew you were going to ask. It was about yes. my radio show that I did for 16 years called Timeless cool. Sequences Electronic Music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, so for one of my- What are we doing with our lives, Michael? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she did everything before we had the ability to even think. Yeah. So why even try? <laughs> yeah. Aww. Why even bother at this point? <laughs> yeah. But the, I also want to hear some of, if you have any old radio stuff, yeah. I would like to hear that too, because I, I love the genre that yeah. you had already been a big fan of. Yes. So. 
Yeah, so I have literally thousands of, of tapes, and some of them I do have digital. I need to go through and make digital copies of a lot of those tapes that are deteriorating, but I have thousands of them, so it takes a lot of time. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> we'll make it a patron exclusive. You could yeah. hear Jill on the radio. What? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yes. <laughs> So actually for one of my graphics and animation class projects, you know, I set out to be the first student at the school to create a website and I used Vim to create the original HTML document. In fact, nice. I just, I, every time I updated a document, it was always on Vim. <laughs> so, and what was cool is, you know, I had actually anima um, animated uh, GIFs on my site. But, there we go. GIFs. GIFs. You mean, <laughs> but GIF. no browser at that time could view them. In fact, GIF 89A was still very, very new. <laughs> and the yeah. GIF 89A was the version of GIF that allowed you to do animation. So I had to wait till 1995 for the GIFs to be viewed with the new features of Netscape Navigator 2. <laughs> Woohoo, Netscape! Oh, wow. <laughs> And after that, several departments on campus asked me to create a website for them. And I made several up until I graduated. But of course, even after I graduated, I was asked to maintain them. And I did for quite some time. In fact, 10 years after, I was still getting questions on how to wow. do things on the website. And I was still contribu contributing my artwork for wallpapers and, and uh, GIF well, animations. Not to be outdone, Jill, but I also created many websites myself you know, a little bit later awesome. in the time period through GeoCities and AngelFire. And they were amazing. They were constantly <laughs> under construction, but they had the GIF for under, under construction, construction there. Which is uh, why that's all you needed. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, back all in that you day, needed. It's all you needed. <laughs> I actually used to make websites too in that period of time. Yeah. And I, my first website, I remember vividly how proud I was when I finished that website. Yeah. And then maybe like a year later, how completely destroyed oh, cool. I felt looking at that website. Like, oh, I made that. No. Yeah. Remember the stat counter? Oh, yeah. yeah I had one of those counter so hit counters. I yeah. how many yes. people visited the site. My first website <laughs> first had, a Java, yes. had a Java applet that ah. did a completely worthless image mirror upside down water effect. Oh, I, I have no idea why I yeah. used it. But I saw it and I used it anyway. Those were the days of the internet. Those who weren't around for the glory Geo days, <laughs> yes. Angel Fire, telling you, you missed out. You missed out. And also, when you get the when you when you learn the GeoCities trick of being able to use JavaScript to hide the little pop up oh, in the corner. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Michael, boss, real hackers. Yes. Yep. Like a boss. <laughs> Vim's improvements over Vi, you know, include scriptable syntax highlighting, mouse support. Graphical versions with GVim, visual mode, many new editing commands, powerful search and replace, and integration with so many other tools. But honestly, one of my other favorite improvements over Vi and Vim is that I that I use all the time is that is it is extensible and has the awesome ability to install plugins. And yeah, there are power. a lot of plugins. Yes. There are a, a lot, lot of a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> Thousands. And one of my favorites is actually NerdTree, which is a great file manager for Vim. If you haven't used it, it's, it's a great file yep. manager for Vim. And also, I enjoy the Vim mPlayer front end to play videos and ASCII art while I'm coding and to play music in the background. 
Nothing like a good video in ASCII art, yes, I say. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Some people want to watch the new Star Wars in IMAX. No. Yeah. You want to watch the new Star Wars in ASCII. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yes, definitely. Right, Jill? Okay. Good. Yeah, ASCII art, AA Live for the win. For the win. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. So and and I also like uh, playing games like Vim Snake to take a break while I'm coding. And one of my favorite commands is actually colon tab new to create new tabs. I use that all the time because I have a lot of tabs open in Vim. Yep. And actually, there's- I like how Jill's story is using Vim to create some scripts and then taking a break in Vim to watch videos yes. in Vim and then to take a break from the other work that she did later to play a game in Vim. Yeah. <laughs> That's use, why she has a shirt that says, I love I Vim. Love Vim. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I can use Vim as my OS, and I do, and I have. <laughs> of course you <laughs> And And there is actually a little trick in Vim that you can use to launch any command line app from within Vim. So you don't have to exit Vim to launch uh, CLI commands. For instance, yep. Very cool. just type this to launch HTOP. So you type colon bang space htop yes it's for those who don't know easy. what bang stands for exclamation, exclamation point, point. <laughs> thank you michael <laughs> and yes it's that easy the bang command lets you launch any command line app your heart desires even ls simple you 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 want to see the your list of files ls right within vim and a lot of people don't know that trick. <laughs> so. well, I, just I tried it that. and it worked. And uh, I didn't know you could run ex uh, run commands yeah. through yeah. that. I didn't know that. So now it's superior run, to Sublime, Michael. So if you want to, for instance, you can run Mplayer uh, without Maybe, in yeah. <laughs> installing the plugin um, using that. Where you have issues sometimes is several app. If you if you want to edit in Vim, Vim and want run Mplayer, it's better to to download Vim Mplayer so you could. Multitask. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and the bang command, you know, lets lets you launch any command. It's just, it's it's amazing. When I discovered that, all of a sudden, ah, oh, the world opened up. I can run anything in Vim. <laughs> I mean, that is very cool, and I did not know that. And I will say that the reason I like Sublime Text is because it's just easy out of the box. Yeah, and I have tried Vim, and when I set up the configuration file and I got it exactly how I wanted it. It was so good. It worked well. Nice. It had a lot of the features that Sublime Text had. And then I uh, lost my drive and lost the configuration file. And by oh. the way, it lost, it was corrupted and something happened. I don't know if the drive failed or something. But once you lose a configuration file for Vim, and yes. it is kind. It's kind of depressing, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> the process of doing that configuration file takes quite a bit. But once you get it solid, then you're 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 good to go. Absolutely, so, Michael. Uh, that was my experience, and that's why I was like, ah, I'll just use Sublime. <laughs> no, that that that's really really good uh, to let everyone know. Also, I actually yes, save your configuration, yeah. back it up, back up, put back it up, on back GitHub up. or something. Just put it somewhere. Yeah. Three backups of everything. Put it on GitHub. Put it in the cloud. Or put it on a floppy disk. I just recently found a lot of my uh, Vib configurations on floppy disk recently. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Nobody's going to hack Jill and get away with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. hack. No one's going to be able to have the technology to hack What is this technology? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I just want to let everyone know, you know, how 
what Bram, you know, meant to me. And rest in peace, Bram. I, I, I cried when I heard this news because he is one yeah. of the greats in open source and one of the early pioneers. And, you know, I actually typed colon Q bang when using Vim yesterday in remembrance of him. For those that don't know, colon Q bang is the command to execute when you want to exit Vim quickly without saving changes. Bram's work will live on through Vim. So if you have not checked out Vim, go check it out. Also check out the Wikipedia page on Bram because it's fascinating mm -hmm. to read his life story and some of the amazing work that he's done. So uh, hearts go out to his family and thank them very much for all the work that he gave to the open source community. So in our gaming section this week, Michael is really going to be talking to anybody who is eight and under for this particular gaming pick. So Michael wanted to talk about also teenagers child game known as rocket cars and rocket, rocket cars for those Ro who don't rocket league. Cars with Rockets is one of those games. <laughs> Supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars. Yay. Yes, that you basically have a car and it's got a rocket on it and you bounce around this field and you knock a ball into a net like soccer, but you're in a car with rockets. And so it's basically eight and under. And so here's the thing is that the way you described it is awesome. How does that not sound awesome? <laughs> soccer, but with cars and rocket boosters. Okay. That sounds amazing. It so, is kind of cool, actually. Th yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I've been playing this game for a very long time, and I am pretty good at it. <laughs> Not going to brag, yeah. but I'm great. You are. He's like silver. Like and in very the rankings, humble. there's silver, gold, platinum. I am a grand champion. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, it's not that's not the highest, but it's uh, it's pretty high. Yeah. So this is a really fun game. I think anybody who has not played it, you should do so. It's available for free on the Epic Games platform. Epic Games is terrible because of their previous comments about Linux. So I'm not a big fan of that part. However, they do us make some cool games, and I'll give them that. And also, the Unreal Engine is amazing, so I'll give them that too. So that okay, they they've made some cool stuff. But this is also available if you have the Heroics Games Launcher or it's some Proton works in the Steam if you already had it. And if you go back and play, you still have it in Steam, it will continue to work. That's how I play it. So Rocket League is great. And what was interesting is that I hadn't played it in a while. And recently, I started playing again with a former host of the show, Rocco. He contacted me and said, hey, you want to play Rocket League? And I... And I, me and Rocco have been playing for and the he past. He destroyed you, right? He, he's gotten <laughs> he's better. He's good. He's good. So <laughs> he's gotten better. So we had a lot of fun, and we've been playing for a past few, four or five, uh, you know, sessions. And uh, hopefully, we're going to continue because I, I am having. It's been a while since I played it, so it's been cool. And also around the same time, actually today, I got a request from a friend of mine who wanted me to teach his kid how to play Rocket League because his kid is having a esports team for nice. Rocket League being that's added dope. to his school. And nice. I was like, well, that's just fantastic. So I'm going to absolutely help out. I taught him a bunch of cool stuff, and I was very impressed and also a little annoyed about how quickly he picked up everything. Yeah. <laughs> so now I get it. Teenagers are good at games, and the more you, more a kid plays, they quickly out like surpass you as an adult. I get that. I know that's going to happen. But... I was expecting like maybe a couple of sessions and eventually he started doing stuff. And then I taught him at least 
three or four advanced mechanics and he got them done in like 20 minutes. What? what? Yeah, no. it, it's crazy. <laughs> so my son, when I first started teaching him to play games, would be one of those people that had like the joystick stuck looking at the ground while they walked because the ability to control yeah. the camera and all that. Of course, he was like mm-hmm. six, but I was like, hey, you got to be a gamer. Like, I need to be proud of you as a father. If you're <laughs> a gamer. And yeah. that's how you get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I was teaching him the games and things, and I was always like carrying him through the games and we'd play like Fortnite and different things like that. And then it just like overnight, all of a sudden, he became not only as good, but far better than me at any of these games. But the funny thing is I had a bad parenting moment and I'm willing to admit this on the show. I let, I let my son play the Modern Warfare once and I forgot to turn off the group chat. And Modern Warfare is particularly toxic. Like the people there say some really nasty things. So he's in there his first time playing and he's just destroying everyone in the room with ridiculous moves. Like I was like, that is so ridiculous that that worked. And people started cursing and all this stuff. And I was like, Hey, let's get off. Let's get off. And before I turned it off, he said, y'all just got owned by a 10 year old. I'm out. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. So I know what you mean when you say like kids are amazing at games. Cause yeah, they, they, I mean, when I, I was good at games, I thought, and I'm pretty good at first person shooters and I'm pretty good. And I've played with people who are better than me. But to play with a kid who has never touched the game before and within 20 to 30 minutes had was able to do things that took me. Well, to be fair, I also wasn't I wasn't being taught anything. I wasn't being trained. Yeah. But I remember trying to learn these mechanics and it being a little bit difficult. And then I saw him do it within 20, 30 minutes. Like, ah, I wish I could have that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very impressive. And I told him before I I left to to do the show that the next time I'm going to teach him some stuff to see how far. And we played one match. And here's the problem. When you play with someone in, in a, in certain games, they try to make, they, they try to put you in a tier that is fair or they'll put you in a tier that is punishing if you try to carry someone too far. So as a grand champ, I tried to carry him way too far because he's not even ranked and he's only had it for like two days or something. And (laughs) they put us against two other grand champs or maybe champ threes or something like that, but pretty high up. And (laughs) I just wanted to show him what the game was like compared to like the first time you play it to what it could be. And he hit the ball a few times in that game. And I I was not expecting it at all. Because the thing is, is that if you ever see champ players... There's constantly moving, constantly flying. flying. The ball's going everywhere. And the fact that he even touched the ball was impressive. And I suspect within like a month or two, he's going to be better than me. (laughs) Yeah, well, Michael had a very similar reaction when he was teaching me to play Rocket League. He couldn't believe how fast I was picking up the moves. I couldn't (laughs) believe that it took you that long to turn around figure out how to turn around. (laughs) Because I was lost. I needed to give him a GPS for his Rocket League. (laughs) Yeah. Just spin in a circle trying to find... There's no GPS in the game. Yeah. That's why I don't yeah. like it. That's why I you make fun of it. You gotta switch cameras. No, there's no GPS. Exactly. You don't, yeah. Without the GPS, Ryan, you just can't do it. Yeah. So, Turn yeah. Right, right to the net. Turn left to the net. That would help me be able I to... I would love a mod to be made for that game to do yeah, that. Just that would be me. fantastic. Now, I love Rocket Leagues, or what I like to call Rocket Cars, but I am I can say I am not that great at it. Occasionally, I've, I've, I've won a map or two, but I'm not that great at great at it 
But yeah. I I like all the the fun that's had when you're it playing with the game. group oh, of yeah. people. It's a very fun game. And I like that you can change the modes to like there's a hockey mode, there's a basketball mode, there's a volleyball yep. mode, and you can change the gravity and it just makes it fun so that every time you play it, it's a different, really kind of a different game. So you can change all the physics. And yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of parts yeah. of the game that are very consistent. And that's how they have a pro league with it. Yes. Because in order in order for a game to have a pro league, it needs to have some consistency like that. But at the same time, you can have crazy modes that you can have custom modes, all sorts of stuff. And there's for PC players, there's even like workshop mats that you can install and add extra features and stuff. It's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, go check out Rocket League. And if you need your kid trained on Rocket League, Michael will do yeah. 100 days of training for $4.99 okay. <laughs> a month. So, okay, so that's go reach not out at to all him. true. Well, we got to give uh, him at least a, minimum wage. <laughs> <do we? laughs> this is a rare occasion where a friend of mine from my high school asked okay. me to do it. And I thought, okay, sure, why not? Occasionally, <laughs> I'll do it. I didn't plan for Ryan to, uh, to offer my services to everyone. <laughs> For four ninety nine a month. For also wait, is it four hundred and ninety nine? <laughs> no, four dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh, you're only a grand not. champ. You're not a champ platinum wizard too. If you is, had taken a second to look at what the rank is before you made fun of me, I wish that'd have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a thing. No, no, it's not a thing. Well, not in your world because you haven't achieved what I've achieved. <laughs> By the way, our software spotlight <laughs> is Flat Sweep. So Flat Sweep is like C Cleaner. If you ever use CCleaner in Windows, it's kind of the same kind of concept, except Flat Sweep is for, you guessed it, flat packs. Because sometimes you install a bunch of flat packs like me because I'm testing stuff for shows and other stuff, and they can leave residual files behind. Now, you can go into that directory and manually clean that stuff up yourself, or you can install Flat Sweep and forget to do that a bunch of times and then just run Flat Sweep and get rid of all those residual files right there, residual that kind of came yep. out weird. Residual. You know what I mean? Residual. Residual, residual files. You got to get rid of them. CCleaner does it for Windows. Maybe this you like your residuals. Those pesky you like residuals, keep files. Them there. Yeah, keep yeah. them if you like them. Now, sure. the only caveat here is if you use a custom directory to install your flat packs, then it's not going to work against your custom directory. So this is only if you use the default directories for flat pack. But check out Flat Sweep. You may be surprised how much residuals you have sitting out there. <laughs> I, I want to find out how much residuals I have. For sure. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> so this week, we, we have a tip of the week that will help you learn Vim. For those who are interested in learning Vim, it's called openvim.com. It's an interactive tutorial you can use on the web to learn the basics. And also, if you want to go from there and learn even more, you can learn through a game, which is called Vim Adventures or vim-adventures.com. And then when you're good enough, you can play another game called Vim Golf, which is vimgolf.com, and show off your skills as a Vim ninja. These are great resources to begin learning Vim and you're getting on your Vim journey. It's an important tip to remember that Vim is not meant to hold your hand. It's a very powerful tool and will take some practice to really master, but many find the journey worthwhile, and I think you probably will too. But also, again, remember... Save those config files. <laughs> there you go. On a floppy disk, because then you'll yeah. never lose them. Exactly. I mean, Just you might lose the floppy disk, but have more <laughs> than one backup. Yes. By the way, if you have an awesome tip that you want to share with the community, send it to us at tuxdigital.com slash contact or get in touch on the tuxdigital.com slash discord server if you have some great tips that you want others to know about. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us 
on our Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Hang out with the community. You can talk about fitness because, yes, we have fitness stuff out there mm-hmm. in our Fit and Fueled podcast. You can talk about gaming, movies. You can talk about Linux, open source, or just anything on your mind right there in the Discord channel. So come hang out with a bunch of people like you that like open source and Linux. And also, we have tons of cool stuff on the Discord server for our patrons. So if you want to become a patron, you can get access to special sections of the Discord server where we hang out, and you can ask us any of the things, you talk about any of the things that Ryan mentioned earlier. Yeah, like why hard Cheetos are better than Cheeto Puffs. Yeah, right. About that. <laughs> exactly. You can have more features if you go to tuxdigital.com slash membership, where we have tons of cool stuff. We have unedited versions of the show. We have ad-free versions of the show on there, tuxdigital.com slash membership to sign up and get all of these benefits. Plus, we have two new benefits as well that we're bringing out to our patrons. And if you send us a comment, for example, you can send us a message on Patreon and we might put it in feedback on the show. And if we do put it on the feedback, you get bumped to the tippity-tippity-tippity-top of the feedback when you do it through the Patreon messages. Plus, you now get ad-free versions of the show, like I said, and that's all completely ad-free in the patron section. So, tuxdigital.com slash membership. Also, if you want to help support the show, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store and get some awesome swag. We have t-shirts, hoodies, (gasps) mugs, hats, stickers, bags, and so much more. tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Text Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show to keep you fit and fueled. Yes, it's called Fit and Fueled. Hmm, and like how that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these awesome shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source. Awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. Have a great week. And remember, remember the journey itself. The journey journey itself is just as important. Just Just as important important. as As the the destination. destination. As the destination. Thanks. I like how you were going to steal it from me. Like I did from you before. (laughs) Yeah. And then you just became like this echo. Yeah. Yeah, I was like your hype person. (laughs) It was was perfect. Dude. Yeah. It was good. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Next week.